Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello. Today we are continuing our holiday being with series where we're talking about what it looks like to bring the doing side of ourselves into balance with our being side. We often have good intentions, but barriers tend to creep up and keep us from our being side. And I thought it might be helpful to identify some of those barriers that we faced and others that we might face in the hopes to bring them to the light and see some change. And so as we consider barriers to being with God, what comes up for the two of you? I think what immediately comes up for me is a recognition that my barriers change. So I think in the past, I've had some particular barriers, and I can share about those in a moment. And as I've been intentional about those, it's, oh, actually, those aren't barriers anymore. But however, maybe new barriers emerge. And so maybe before going into a list, from my perspective, I think just wanting to name that for me, the barriers tend to be different. And I think I'm encouraged that as I've paid attention to past barriers, the fact that they're no longer barriers, I think feels hopeful. Just want to start off on a little positive note as we're going to dive into the barriers. And that is helpful because seasons of life do change. And so what feels like a barrier in one moment may not later, and we might grow. So that is all good news. And even as you say that, I think I realize, oh, there's also paying attention to, that's a question we might not always be asking ourselves. And so without having asked the question, we may just be, sometimes people talk about, oh, it's like having blinders on or whatever. Like we, There's no evaluation. And so that comes to mind too, is just the opportunity to pause and even ask ourselves that question can be really helpful, I think. Yes, I think those are all wonderful noticings that barriers can change from season to season. And one of the things that I think of, though, I've recently had the conversation with a few people about maybe having seen tendencies towards attention deficit disorder. That might be something that I haven't been diagnosed. I'm definitely a person who follows little nuggets that are given to me or chase rabbits or however you want to say it. And we're talking about it in the in the sense of it's something that's diagnosed a lot in our society and what gift might that bring to a person's life. But I think that's important to notice. You chase down many things or you're curious or whatever positive thing you might say about attention deficit disorder or ADHD, which is I have friends that struggle with that or wrestle with or see the good. But I think the sort of shadow side of that is distraction, I think, is for me, whatever it looks like, some people, it might be their phone, some it might be Netflix. Distraction is consistently a barrier to being with and with notifications, with everything that that sounds or beeps at us constantly in our life, holding presence is quite challenging. So I think there's an intentionality that you have to set towards not being distracted. So that's that's something that comes up for me, even though I do struggle 
or, or I've had di- many different barriers in my life. So maybe I'll share a barrier that has evolved in its barrierness over the years, if that's a word. So I would say the cultural view has been something that I've had to wrestle with both as a Greek, I'm hundred percent Greek, but also have lived in America. And so some of the different paradigms around what it means to do and to contribute and to work hard and the being space. And actually going back to when I was 13 was the first time when I went to Greece to visit my family and recognizing that culture at that time had siestas in the afternoon where businesses were closed for several hours, that lunch took many hours to to enjoy over the afternoon. It wasn't a quick grab a sandwich and eat it at your desk type of a thing. And carrying that into my adulthood of recognizing, wow, like not every culture approaches schedules and the days the same was actually both a challenging and a really helpful paradigm. So I think in my early adult years, really recognizing that I have choices to make and I don't have to necessarily be in the grind idea of culture and feeling like a contributor in that sense. That being said, I think as the more I'm getting into contemplative spaces, I'm recognizing contemplative work is slow. Contemplative work is often hidden. Contemplative work isn't something that shows up on spreadsheets or datas or social media posts. And so how to quantify things like that, most of the time you can't, right? Because it's this deep internal work. And so whether it's my own, I'm I'm spending time in silence. What is that really doing? That's not something that feels productive or doing. And yet that being is really important for my own spiritual well-being, health, to be present to others. Or if I'm sitting with another person for a 50-minute session and there's these moments of maybe significant conversation that helps bring an aha moment that then they later reflect on. But how do you quantify reflection? And so I'm often having to shift my cultural mindset of, okay, most people in America right now probably aren't sitting quiet for 10 minutes on a random Tuesday afternoon. And that's okay because maybe somebody in Bhutan is right now or Nepal or other parts of the world where that's maybe more normalized in their spiritual context or whatever. And also just recognizing that it's okay, like that my cultural barriers are ones that I'm very aware of and over the years have worked really hard to overcome and that it's okay that they're still there. I think I recognize them and I'm never going to probably arrive. And so I would say that's one of those barriers that I've certainly seen growth in my life and recognize that it's just probably something that I'm gonna have to deal with forever in various degrees. and, And I'm okay with that. As I'm listening to both of you talk, it's funny, I feel like if we were looking at just in a blanket term, we might talk about busyness. Oh, the things that ding and the culture that doesn't stop. And I would say even in my own life, busyness comes up easily, but there are different root reasons to why it's, why am I struggling with it? Why are you struggling with it? We're not naming the same thing. So One of the things that comes to mind for me, maybe if it's in the category of limiting beliefs, maybe, but this question of productivity is huge. I love feeling productive and there's a piece of me that thinks that's how uh, I am worthy or my worth is determined in the world. Oh, people will think that I have value because I am productive. And if I am not productive, then people will not think that I have value. And I want people to think that I'm valuable. So in my current life, the kids is school schedule means that come 2.30, I turn the computer off and I go on this long journey to (laughs) pick people up and then start homework and then start dinner and then often get people to an evening event. And so there's this swath of hours in the afternoon that is quite busy, but is not busy for 
people that I give output to. And so I can feel that sometimes when I hit that, I've got to go. And sometimes I'll like, I'll take it all the way to the moment that I'm stepping out of the car, even because technology allows us to do that. And then boom, turn on the mom face instead of the work face and do this. But I'll feel that I've got to go and I've got to be present in a different way. So we're all naming different reasons for why busyness is bothering us and not helping us connect. Because really, ultimately, in the midst of feeling like I've got to please you and you and you, then I don't always take my moments. I have to be really intentional about that. Yeah, that's really good. I think something that's been surfacing for me and others that I I meet with for spiritual direction is this idea of being with God, being with the divine. And the thing that is emerging is this invitation into solitude and silence. And sometimes that looks like maybe going on a personal retreat, going and getting away. And I know that I've resonated with a few things that have come up in these discussions about solitude is the fact that you're going away, but you're leaving your family. And so some of the distractions or some of the barriers is I'm here resting, relaxing, spending time with God, walking in all the wonderful things that we crave, whereas my spouse is at home with the kids and it's probably more responsibility more for them to do. And so there's this feeling of irresponsibility or guilt that comes on us as we try to engage in something that we know is life-giving for us. And so I read in a book, actually, this term for solitude is there's an idea around it where it's not for the individual. It's not a selfish thing for the individual, but it's where the individual takes time away to return them to themselves, like to your whole self. And then what then happens is you return back to your community, fully yourself, fully alive. So you're actually decompressing, you're getting rid of the things that maybe are pressuring you or causing you to act in a way that is uncharacteristic of your true self, and you're returning yourself to your community fully alive, fully who you are. So I think for me, that feeling of irresponsible, being irresponsible and guilty definitely has resonated in the past. But I think that little analogy of being returned to myself is super helpful. I like that. Thank you for sharing that. And I think one of the things that I was considering actually before you said that was my need for decompression sometimes keeps me in the awareness that I need to be with, but it's hard for me to engage and to get into that space, right? Because maybe there's just so much going on. And so recognizing, okay, there needs to sometimes be for me a transition from like, I can't just go whoop, I'm doing and then all of a sudden I can just flip a switch and go into this like being mode doesn't happen for me. And whatever that means, whether it's maybe doing a little, I had talked before about I like the New York Times connections game on my phone or Wordle or something where it's I'm transitioning into that space of I'm just like checking out of what just happened or walking around the block or taking the shower or doing things like that, where there's just this transition that I'm allowing myself to have. And then from there, I can begin to that being with space and that's okay. And that's normal. And so I think for me, recognizing that need for decompression is a barrier and maybe some creative ways to overcome that. I appreciate that, especially because 
this notion of, I think what you were talking about before, Chris, with the guilt. Wow. I, what a barrier in and of itself, right? To just plain feel guilty. And then the guilt kind of starts to compound. And how long has it been? And this is the stuff that I'm supposed to be doing and I'm not doing it. And so, Christina, you're creating a transition to help put it, to slow it down, put the mind to rest, which I think is really helpful so long as it doesn't become the thing. And that's also happened to me. But where is the intentionality? And in the midst of it, I think when we talk about this doing and being stuff, we're talking about bringing them into balance, not leaving behind our doing. And so I think that's also a helpful distinction because we can think, oh, it's all then about one or the other. But really, it's the recognition of both being there. Okay, we have things that we're doing. There's this doing stuff. And it's not getting rid of it. It's just giving it some do (laughs) and giving our being with side some do, which I appreciate because in the scriptures, we hear this Martha Mary thing and Martha gets a bad rap. It's this very shameful thing that people will often talk about when they'll say, oh, you're just being a Martha. And that can really do a number on the psyche. But I once heard somebody talking about what if Mary and Martha are not two different people? What if they are just different sides of ourselves, that both Mary and Martha exist within us, or both are possible? And that opened up a reality for me where I could even engage this topic before it just did not feel, it always felt bad, like bad you for not resting enough or bad you for not spending enough time in retreat. But rather just to say, both of these are possible. You are not only one way. This is all in there. That really changed things and made this conversation possible. Okay, here are these barriers but they are overcomable and there is that ability to transition into rest. Yeah. I appreciate you bringing up even that, the passage about Mary and Mark, the fact that we can hold both of those with being with or the doing, and they're both necessary in life, which kind of leads me to one of the things that I think is a barrier is a feeling of laziness. But if I had to boil that down, that feeling of laziness is actually comparison. For me, I think comparison is a, dist- a distraction. I am I am on the screen with two highly productive people, and I move through the world a little bit slower. And so I think for me, a lot of times, if you look at the output that others are generating, you're like, oh, my gosh, I just feel like a lazy bum compared to them. And so then it could, you just feel like you're spinning your wheels to try to produce more, have more productivity. And I think I've come to a realization of I am who I am. And what if my gift is being slower so I can be more attentive and more present to people? And I, I think that feeling of laziness or comparison can be uh, a huge obstacle to overcome for many people. One of the things I appreciate about contemplative spirituality is this ability to sit with, again, these barriers that we're naming, but to go a little bit deeper as to, Christina, to use your word, the root, or we could all say the same thing, but it's coming from a different angle. And so I, I've just appreciated this space to not only say, yep, this I, I'm distracted or I'm busy or I have guilt, but 
getting underneath that to me feels such like a rich contemplative conversation. So I appreciate what's been highlighted today. Well, thank you both for a wonderful conversation and all the ways that you've experienced barriers, but all the ways that you've overcome barriers, truly life-giving. And now is the part of the podcast where we talk about what we are into. What are we into? It's been years since our family has had Netflix, but we recently got a Netflix subscription. And I think just with the colder weather coming on, wanted to have some watching opportunities. So I am into Netflix and specifically I started watching Sweet Magnolias. So I'm loving the vegging out winter space of watching TV. It's funny now that you say that it brings something up that was not going to be what I'm into, but now I'm going to be into it anyways. <laughs> Our family recently watched Shazam together, this like little superhero show. It's not little, it's a whole movie. But when this kid, he's like 15, becomes the superhero, he looks like he's in his 30s. His peers are young. And so they're trying to figure out what they're going to call him. And it's like, thunder. he has these kind of lightnings that come out of his hands. And so they're like, thunder crack, glitter, sparkle fingers or something like this. And so now our little ones will walk through the house giggling, thundercrack, oh, sparkle fingers. And it has just delighted my day, quite honestly, because it was funny in the show and it continues to be funny as they walk through reliving the moment over and over again. Very fun. Christina mentioned winter coming on and watching movies. But I don't feel like I'm there yet. I don't feel like I, I feel like I'm still savoring some fall, but quickly we had a little bit of snow on the ground today and I have failed to prune back some of our bushes in previous years. And so this is a year where I'm actually getting some of the bushes that are a little bit too close to the house and pruning them back. And I hear that fall is the time to do that for them to grow back fuller and lusher without killing them. So I have been into pruning some of our fun plants and bushes that surround our house and that are in our garden before it's too late, before winter sets in. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. We look forward to seeing you again soon. See you next time. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we invite you to stay connected by signing up for our Foundry Spiritual Center newsletter, where you can learn about even more programs and offerings. You'll find a link to subscribe in the show notes or visit us anytime at foundrysc.com. Thanks again for being with us. We hope you have a great week.